Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and former UCLA linebacker, Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on? Uh, how How is the uh, the weather doing out there? I know we were talking about it last, last episode. Rain, rain, rain. It's probably going to be raining for the rest of my time here. I'm I'm just happy that the sun stayed as long as it did out here cuz <laughs> Yeah, cuz once it starts raining it's it's over with. It's game over. I mean, summer's summer's over. It's on a it's 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 holding true. Once summer's over, I mean, the rain is coming. Um you know, I was I was kind of trolling the the Laker folks a little bit. I believe you're a Laker fan, but they're I am. Yeah, they're not they're not doing too hot. But what is doing well is the UCLA football team despite a loss last week they are six and one um at this point in the season so still good things and still good things ahead for ucla they do play stanford this week um uh, one thing i'm curious about josh as i was getting ready for the show is um i know you've obviously played stanford a couple times during your time at ucla it's not it, it's you know it's one of these um teams that's going to be on the schedule every year for ucla um i think it was I forget if it was them or Cal. No, that was Cal that got added on at a pandemic year. I think they've played every year since before me, you were me or you were born or probably a lot of people in our family were born. Like it, the, the history is like crazy. But um, the one thing I remember early on um, when I started covering UCLA was this 11 game winning streak that Stanford was on. I think you were, you were part of that. Sorry if I'm bringing up some, some bad memories there, but UCLA and Stanford have since exchanged the wins. So Stanford or so UCLA snapped that 11 game win streak. Um, and I think, it, I think it went into overtime and then no, I, I was a part of the snap. We snapped it. You were part of the snap. Okay. And then, and then I, I think I'll have to look back what happened with the other two games, but I know they exchanged wins, but um, how big was that to be able to snap that 11 game win streak? Cause I heard that chick and I was like, oof. And obviously they had some good years with Andrew Luck, uh, Christian McCaffrey that were probably a part of 11, that 11 game, 11 game win streak. But uh, to be able to get that one, any memories from that win? It, it definitely was special because I just like looked back and thought about like all the guys that came before me who didn't beat Stanford and how special it was for me to finally do that. And it was like, it kind of uh, in honor of everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Anthony Barry didn't beat Stanford. Eric Kendricks didn't beat Stanford. Miles Jack didn't beat Stanford. Kenny Young didn't beat Stanford. So, like, for me to come in and be a part of the group that we went into the farm and handled them boys, it, like, it felt great because it was, like, <laughs> the bully finally got bullied. That's what it felt like. It was, mm-hmm. like, finally, like, okay, you know, our season, we might not have been that good, but we were better than them that year. You know what I'm saying? And it seems like it seemed like Stanford, no matter how good or bad they were for a while, like wow, like during that loving game streak, they just knew how to beat UCLA. And it was like sometimes it, it was it was a they beat us by a lot. Other times it was like they came back and won. Or like I remember one year in the Rose Bowl, we held Christian McCaffrey under a hundred yards, and they 
they won on a we were beating them until 30 seconds left in the game. That's tough. The last 30 seconds, they get like a a, a Hail Mary type bomb fade route caught for a touchdown and then a strip sack Solomon Thomas on Josh Rosen for a Damn. touchdown to end the game. So it looked like they beat us by more than what they did, but they they we were winning until the last 30 seconds of the game and that was a heartbreaker. I remember the older guys like crying in the locker room after that game. Like that's how much it meant. Damn. To beat Stanford. And I think because for with Stanford too, obviously it's not like the USC game or anything. Um, but I think it's just one of those in-state rivals. You, you probably had a lot of guys. You could tell me if I'm wrong on this. I'm I'm just kind of assuming this might be the case. Um, you probably had a lot of teammates that their decision maybe kind of came down or some of their, maybe their top five choices were like a Stanford and a UCLA just in terms of academics, maybe. Um, I think yeah. I think you mentioned maybe some of that for you, that, didn't you? That was the school I wanted to go to. Like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in high school, like that, it wasn't, it wasn't UCLA. It wasn't SC. It wasn't Oregon. Like I wanted to go to Stanford and everybody knew like, yeah. Oh, like, it was a, it was a it was a serious possibility. Like their culture were coming to see me a lot and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they liked me, of course. What it came down to was I didn't want to retake my SAT and I didn't oh, yeah. want to take more AP classes my senior year <clears throat> because I was like, at this point, I'm already, <laughs> I'm I can already go straight to UCLA. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying like, I, right. they they're not asking me to do anything else. Like, I'm already past their requirements, which is you know. So I was just like, if I'm going to redo my SAT and do all these other things, then I'd probably want to go to the Ivy League. So I was like, right. I if you're going to go, so. if you're going to do all that, go all the way and just like do the most. If you have extra steps, you got to do. Yeah. So from from then on, it was, you know, it was I don't like you guys. So <laughs> that it almost felt and and even like around the culture of UCLA, as far as when I was there, mm-hmm. it was almost like. They were almost just as big as a rivalry to us as SC. Cause it was the whole thing of y'all can't stop the run. Uh, you know, you're you kind of get bullied, like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they're just gonna run the ball. And it was like, and even even when I talked to other people around the Pac 12, especially in the in the, the past decade of Stanford, when they were real, you know, dominant in the run game, mm-hmm. it was it was like uh you prepare differently for a Stanford week rather than everybody else in the Pac-12 because you know with them you're going to get heavy sets, tight ends, fullbacks, like running the ball versus the like other teams is spread. Right. It's like I was talking to a guy who went to Oregon State and he was like, yeah, I ate extra meals every every time we were about to play Stanford. <laughs> like it, it's like it's like it's like that. Like they just were known, you know, for being smash mouth, running the ball. And now it seems like everything in the yeah. past few years Stanford's it's kind of shifted and they like, kind of lost that identity and like I don't know if everybody caught up and, and caught on to what they do mm-hmm. but it's like they've had to you know kind of pivot and change their play style no that's it, it, interesting that you mentioned that so one thing I was I was going to mention too was like when you during high school and stuff like that um a lot of that was like when they were hot. So obviously they were a popular destination and, and uh, somewhere, you know, obviously along with the academic stuff, but um, you know, they had things kind of going for them. They had, I think Jim Harbaugh there for a little bit. I think even David Shaw was probably the coach when you were still in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, When, when when you were considering, or they were even considering you Stanford at the time, 
Um, and then I'll, I'll get into some of why maybe Stanford is the way that they are a little bit here in a minute. But um, what were did you get a chance to talk with David Shaw or what were the conversations with him like, if at all? Um, when I was getting recruited, no, I was more mm -hmm. position coaches at the time. I mean, like I said, I didn't make it all the way to that point because I was, gotcha. you know, kind of didn't want to go through that. But um, I have talked to David Shaw when I went to media day. That was like always one of the, he always came to, to find me to shake my hand. I feel like after um, we played them as well, it was like a mutual respect thing, but yeah. And I mean, like he's, I mean, very smart guy, you know, mm -hmm. as far as I've, I've gotten, you know, um, like a, you know, a good coach and seems like a, you know, good guy. So. Um, yeah, no. So it, it's interesting. So especially to a lot of people, like they're like, well, what, you know, how, how is he still employed? Like, because they're not as dominant as they were. It's kind of like when you start seeing like teams like USC and UCLA kind of back on the come up. Um, even now you have Oregon State and, and Washington State being good. It's kind of like, I mean, there has to be some kind of reverse course. I think there was even a like two years where Colorado was pretty decent. Um, but I think for Stanford, I think they're kind of in this thing where obviously I think we talked about it before. Um, they were kind of you know, in limbo with some of their athletic programs and if they were even going to keep some of them around, especially like during that pandemic year, I think they had to reevaluate some things. I think the, the biggest thing is, is they might have, whether it's like an in-house thing for them or it's an academic thing, or again, I think their academic process in a way that they're not um, as involved in the transfer portal like a team like UCLA is, for example, they might have one transfer. I think they may have like, maybe have only gotten one guy at the transfer portal. And I think it's because he met all the academic requirements or again, maybe their academic standard is, you know, what, um, how they view classes outside of their curriculum may not match up. Um, but I've heard that's like a lot of the reason why, like, you know, because who wouldn't want to play for David Shaw? I would imagine, right? Just because of what he does. He's a guy who's like on all the on the NFL draft coverage after the college football season's over. Um, you know, but a lot of people wonder why he still has a job. And I think a lot of it is he was even kind of asked this recently. And a lot of it's just because I don't want to say comfortable, but um he I mean, one for Stanford's sake, I mean, who else are you gonna get better than David Shaw? And imagine being the next guy after David Shaw. But I think, one, he's an alum there. I think Stanford even just recently um, extended the contract of their men's basketball coach, who I think hasn't even taken them to the March Madness tournament in, like, the five years he's been there, I think. So I don't think they're going to be letting go of David Shaw anytime soon. Obviously, they want to get a better product on the field, and I, I think time will come with that. We're starting to see them um, be a little bit better, and, again, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, Stanford, it's just kind of weird because they are down, but, again – um, they've been pretty competitive here with UCLA. So like I said, UCLA had one, no, Stanford had one, excuse me. Stanford had won 11 straight games up until the 2020 season, the pandemic season, um, UCLA got the best of, um, of Stanford. I'm, I'm looking it up here. It was a, oh, UCLA. Oh, wait. No, so you okay, you guys beat them in 2019, snapped that 11 game win streak. They come back, sure. they come back with a vengeance into the Rose Bowl in 2020 during the pandemic year. Um, and I think, and I remember this game because I think this was a game like 
And that this is something was I, that the know. game where like UCLA was like that we were up and Stanford yes. came back and won something like that. Yes, yeah. like they were in control of the game. Um, I think this was like a game to finish with a like I think a, a wait a winning. Yeah, like you could have. They would have finished with a winning record. You would have finished again. This is the pandemic shortened season, so there's only seven games. You would have finished four and three, and it would have been the first winning uh, season for Chip Kelly. Instead, they go three and four because they lost in double overtime, forty-eight to forty-seven, um, at the Rose Bowl in double overtime. So that was a heartbreaker. Um, UCLA does turn it around the next year. This past year, they played um, in twenty twenty-one, and. Um, Oh, they, oh, they, yeah, they played them in the first conference game and UCLA won 35 to 24. So UCLA did win last year. They're going to try and make it two in a row against Stanford this week. But, um, you know, they're, they're kind of playing a little better, um, this time of year. Stanford is, they are actually, um, on a two game win streak for whatever that's worth. Um, they did beat, um, Notre Dame by two points on October 15th. That was 16 to 14. And then they did get a win over Arizona state 15 to 14. And then they lost to Arizona state who again is, as I've mentioned is one of these teams that's pretty respectable in the conference. They're maybe in the middle of the pack, but kind of flirting with the top 25 rankings there and have an opportunity to be in the top 25. If they can win a couple games um, on their schedule upcoming here, but um, so Stanford's the last three games have been decided by a total of like five points. Um, I don't know if that would necessarily be the case this this week against UCLA, who may um may be playing um with some fire in their eyes and 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 some things on their mind as as they kind of bounce back from a game against Oregon. Um, but yeah, have you had a, a chance just even looking at at the at what they do stat wise? Does anything jump out to you? I know. Um, Chip talked about obviously Tanner McKee is the is the is the impact player for them um, offensively. I think Chip Kelly also mentioned um, some. I think they have like three big targets, um, and, and those guys could could maybe do some damage on the UCLA secondary if they're not careful. Um, and I think the defense. I think one thing Chip said was um, you're not going to have a whole lot of open guys. Um, I think in the passing game against Stanford. And again, maybe that's so because a lot of these games have been fairly low scoring. The last two games have been fairly low scoring. Um, and I think UCLA, I think Stanford, I think one with all field goals, I think. Yeah. They, they had 15 points against Arizona state. All of it was five field goals that won them the game. Um, and only had one touchdown against Notre Dame and the rest were field goals, if I'm not mistaken, but um, anything wow. jump out to you on the, on the stat sheet, obviously their kicker is, seems pretty reliable. He's holding up his end, but um, yeah, but field goals, like we said, la- like the game last week, field yeah. goals are not, and they're not going to get, when, yeah, when I, yeah, field goals don't, you know, guarantee a win, and mm-hmm. um, you need touchdowns. You can't just only have field goals, and this, I mean, looking at the other teams that they've played that are on par with, yeah, I think with us, with mm-hmm. you know SC and Oregon, even even UW, uh, they've been pretty much you know handled, yeah. Like the the teams that they've been close with, I wouldn't be worried about if UCLA played them. Um, and then just looking at stats and number wise, like uh, it looks in the backfield, they have you know uh, one guy that's yeah, kind of leading the way. Is that Smith? Or no, 
Casey Filkins. Oh, really? No. I thought, uh, Number two. I thought, didn't um, Emmett Smith's did. son play for them? Maybe that is him, but he's, I think he's the, the, the second back. And then receiving uh, okay. wise, it looks pretty. I mean, they have like one guy with 400, but like other than that, it kind of seems spread out. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not just one guy getting the ball. It's kind of, um, by committee, four or five guys getting the, getting the ball. So, mm-hmm. yeah, EJ Smith is uh, Emmett Smith's son. I thought he was like their lead back. Apparently not. I didn't know that. Um, Philkins, I'll have to keep an eye out for him. Um, good point. No, that you mentioned, and now now that you kind of mention it, am I looking at? Am I? Is this the right year? Hold on. Uh, two game win streak. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Re- I guess I didn't even realize. But it's one of these things where they've played, and and to their credit. To be three and four, I mean, you lost. I mean, but you played, you started your season. Like, your non-conference is so scheduled out if you're Stanford that you're the first four weeks of your, the the first four games, you play three ranked opponents. And so, you, yeah, like you said, on par, the, the teams that are on par with UCLA, number 10, USC, number 18, Washington, number 13, Oregon. And, and all of them scored 40 points. Um, over, yeah, all of them scored 40 points against Stanford. Stanford had no more than 28. It seems like they average about 25 points a game early on. Obviously, they, they've been held to no more than 16 in the last two weeks. So, I mean, this looks good just uh, in terms of points and scoreboard that, you know, UCLA will, will be able to score its 40 points, no problem. And the defense should have a solid game. And, you know, maybe they give up a touchdown and, and a couple field goals, but there's no reason why there should be a loss here unless there may be some emotional hangover josh but this is what i think you said it either you you said it i think yeah you think you said it monday mm-hmm. of where you were saying like you still like can't lose like the you, not the yeah. gimme games but the but the the games, the games you're, supposed you're supposed to win. to win yes and this is this is the beginning of the games mm-hmm. you're supposed to win like i think this is kind of the I wouldn't say, you know, easy, but this is that stretch right. where, you know, UCLA should be able to handle business before SC, where it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, dominant wins, comfortable win, like, you know, have built a comfortable lead, you know, mm-hmm. those are these type of games. And, you know, the way the Pac-12 works. <laughs> That's the scary part is how it works. You yes. just can't get, get, get caught lacking at the wrong time. You know, because it seems like just anybody can have a day. You know, there's always mm-hmm. a game where it's like, how you, know you can find yourself so, in a double overtime game, like they did. Yeah, like like that's. But see, but even then, that's kind of the scary thing is like the 2021 game was 35 to 24. Zach Charbonnet and DTR were there for those. I think, unless DTR got hurt, I don't think he did. Um, at that point in the season, no, this is like the third. This was the first. Um first conference game so they were fairly healthy i believe um and then the stanford game was a one point game so it's like you're not there's that that but see but that's the thing and i think even the way you kind of were explaining it like i you know and i think you've always known it obviously someone who played in the pac-12 is like you can't say it's an easy game no matter how bad the team across from you is because that's all it takes this is a 7 30 game uh pacific time so you know it, it it's the Pac-12 after dark game. <laughs> so you got that. 
You got that. At, at one point, UCLA was the easy game. Yeah. Yeah. People were, were people were looking at us and licking their chops of like, okay. And then when we came out balling, people were like, dang, y'all are better than we thought. It's a it, that, that, I feel like that happens a lot in the Pac-12 where it's like there there might be one team, one or two teams, like, you know, like like this year, it's probably Colorado. Yeah. It is Colorado. It's probably so far. It, yeah. where where everybody's like, okay. But then you have like a – who else is like but see, even then, like Colorado's the bad team, but I think they messed around and they beat Cal, you know? And yeah, it in the first like two, three weeks of conference play, I thought Cal was a team. Like I I, I thought, you know, I thought maybe like I, I kind of thought they were gonna be that second tier group, or now they're kind of maybe flirting with the bottom of that second tier, maybe the hanging around on that third tier of Pac 12 teams. Um, because they've kind of cooled off Jaden not the Norco guy. Um, he's kind of cooled off a little bit, but yeah, but see, but that's, that's the thing. Cause I, so I did my PAC 12 rankings, um, just kind of like based on just my thoughts, uh, I'll try and pull it up here. And the part that I struggled with was the bottom half because the first half of the conference, it's like, you know, right now, Oregon beat UCLA. So I have Oregon first UCLA second. I have, um, Utah under UCLA, obviously, because UCLA beat Utah. Utah beat USC, so USC's four. Um, but then it just kind of got, I don't know, maybe I'm not, like, it's hard to start matching up wins and losses after that. Um, so this is how I have it after week eight games. I have Oregon, UCLA, Utah, USC, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Stanford, Arizona State, Cal, and Colorado. And just there, like you said it, like, uh, for me, UCLA has three games before they play USC. And those three games, um, I'm like clicking around here. Hold on. Um, those three games are first this week with Stanford. It's a homecoming game. Um, and then it's Arizona State in Arizona. And of, of those three games, you're playing just at Arizona State, but you host Stanford, you host Arizona. You need to build confidence. You need to. You, you need to get back on track. You need to win these three games and go into that USC game at the Rose Bowl, hot, feeling good about yourself, feeling confident. The defense needs to get back on track, on track, um, sort out the things, you know, they need to fix that, fix up. I think Mo Ostling said this um, when I talked to him on Tuesday. I think Raekwon O'Neal, the offensive lineman, um, mentioned this today when talking to the media that you know there's a lot of love in that room for those guys and I think one thing that stuck out to me was Mo Osling saying whatever we went through the last week um just in terms of what went wrong or or you know just suffering that loss like there's a lot of love in that locker room that we'll be able to bounce back and just continue to still be there for each other and hopefully that's displayed on the field and that's displayed over these next three games because because there ain't gonna be a whole lot of love if you lose to one of the, one of these teams you ain't supposed to be losing against, and maybe that's when maybe that's when it gets a little frustrating, right? But, um, I mean, you, they're gonna win these three games, right? Yeah, yeah. not worried about <laughs> it. But but like you said, like what you just said is like the love, whatever. 
there's a, a lot of things get get swept under the carpet when you're winning. That's yes, this is true. Like is like true. some things were probably exposed this week with this loss. Where like mm-hmm. things that people weren't complaining about, coaches weren't complaining about the whole time. Mm-hmm. They probably were spazzing on in meetings, and it's like whoa, like. Where was this energy at the past six weeks? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes, like, but that's what it was. It was built up for six weeks. But that's what happens when you lose, though. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as you lose, everybody starts to get the blaming, pointed fingers. You know, things that weren't a problem mm-hmm. are a problem. They probably like, Chip's probably like, yeah, y'all better all be at class. You're getting extra class checks. Like, it's like mm-hmm. little things like that. But like, when right. you lose a game, like, the, everything heats up. Because you got to you know tighten saying? up the ship a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's. You know, just win these three next games, feeling good, going into SC, ready to go. And and to that to that point, you know, and you know how it goes. You win it, you win the game. The guys get in the locker room, they get the water bottles, they're throwing water all around. Jerry Newheisel's lit in the middle of it. Um, but then obviously you lose and there's there's no video. There's no water bottles. And just hearing I there was just kind of some inklings of different things of like I think Jake Bobo said it like and for him, this is his loss as a UCLA Bruin. And he's like, yeah, like, um, like you, you didn't miss my, like, you know, uh, you know, you watch the video of them spraying water and, and, you know, you, you wish you're kind of a part of that. You're part of that environment. He's like, I don't, no one would have wanted to be a part of, of what it was after that loss. Um, and I think Wayne Cook, the, the sideline guy for UCLA, a, a former quarterback for the Bruins back in the day said, um, you know, there's a lot of passionate guys in that locker room after that loss. And, um, you know, people got some, maybe got some things off their chest, maybe not directly towards each, each other uh, necessarily, but just like frustration and, and, you know, things that come normally when, when you lose a game. So I think again, Josh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you would rather have a loss here in the middle of the season. I think we mentioned this last episode and, and know what it feels like and, and, and have a taste of, of a loss now instead of having it come at the you know you're you're, yeah. you're undefeated yeah. going into the last game you stumble around and then you're gonna have that bad taste in your mouth the rest of the, the rest of the off season and if and, you're a senior that's how it ends you know yeah I mean? this this and this was a great time for you know leaders to step up and like find out who's who you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying yep where you know it's it's it somebody should have after that game you know probably dorian or probably mm-hmm. you know like I said, a Mo Osling, just somebody, you know, step up and kind of take a hold of the team. Like, let everybody know, like, okay, we went through this. Let's fix it. Let's move on. We got beer games to win coming up. Mm-hmm. There was a name uh, that was being tossed uh, tossed around as as he's the reason why it didn't go well for us. I'm not going to say the name here. All the fans know who it is. Um, but in it, as a, as a someone who was a leader on defense, Josh, do you guys know that? And do you guys go to that particular player and just say, hey, like, we need you to step it up? To, like, like, like you when you know it was kind of on a guy, even though, you know, everyone will say it's on all of us. Mo was saying he didn't make plays, even though he had 17 tackles. But it's like, do you do you guys talk to the guy? Like, do you pull him um, aside and be like, or, are you a little more times. encouraging th- with him that week? Or if I know. See, see, this is the thing. When you know somebody is like giving it their all, mm-hmm. they do things right, they grind throughout the week, you know, they grind it all off season, like they 
you know, it, they just had a, it was just a day, you know what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. doing everything mm-hmm. right. Those are the guys that are easy to pick up and they'll keep going. All right. It's just, it's annoying when it's a guy that doesn't do all those things and it's they're finally getting exposed for <laughs> right. we've been telling you, you for know. six weeks or something right or yeah or like what they've done right. in the dark comes to the light Th- yeah, that's yeah, the guy yeah. where it's like annoying and like i've mm-hmm. i've i've seen a lot of guys get benched you know yeah i've seen guys get get snagged during the game when somebody's getting picked on or you know whatever it is they're you know flipped flipped out but um yeah so it kind of it kind of depends the situation gotcha but i mean you always want to you know pick up and encourage your brother especially as as a leader just mm-hmm. you know at times you're you're gonna have to say things that people don't like right and that's and part of it being honest and like loving each other right but that's one of the things that i learned in my last two years at ucla is well honestly my last three years at ucla mm-hmm. is like the different leadership styles and it, it it comes down to who the player is and how you know that they will react. Because there are some right. people where I know, like, I could get on them tough, but, like, really come at them and, like, say things, like, be real with them. Yeah. And that, that will spark it and I could change it. But I know other people, like, I got to baby them. I yeah, gotta, yeah, you know, yeah. I got to <laughs> I gotta hold their hand. I could, there's, there's guys where I could get on them in front of everybody. And there's guys where, you know, when we're jogging to the locker room and everybody's going in, I pull them back to the side and I'm telling mm-hmm. them, like, Yo, okay, this, this, and that. You right. need to work on this, this and that. Right. You know, the coaches, coaches are wanting this, this, and that for you. So as long as somebody in the locker room, I hope you know, mm-hmm. is doing those those type of things, then this group will be successful moving forward. But gotcha. if things are not getting addressed or not getting addressed in the correct way, you know, and fuse are starting and mm-hmm. and you that's when you start getting division and start losing the locker room then that's when it'll be a problem. So hopefully, you know, it was addressed and handled correctly. And I, I think sometimes it like in, in this case, again, with the player, there's more to it. I, I wouldn't say like he's been doing it all six weeks. I'll leave it at that. But um, it's just kind of like it's a miscue or a missed tackle, misassignment, something like that. Um, so, yeah. So I, I just wanted to kind of get your 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 defensive leadership kind of perspective on that. Um, as we kind of wrap things up, uh, a few fun things, maybe not for you, Josh, at least at least one of them isn't. But um, I sent you the video of the ghost hurdle. Your thoughts on the ghost hurdle by Keegan Jones. I don't, just, I don't know. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he got the first down or what? So yeah. I don't know if he it's was like a, jumping for the first down or maybe it's overthinking it, you know, mm-hmm. but at least he it, at least. You know, at least it wasn't like a situation where he get, he gets grabbed in the air, flipped, or like gets hurt or something. Like, you know what I'm right, saying? Like, right, right. It was it was harmless. It happened. Joke. You know, move on. I I mean, like to me, it's not like it wasn't. It's just I just I, I don't. Maybe he has something in his eye. I don't know. I can't blame him because if someone put the ball in my hand, I don't know what I would do with the ball either. So, um, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I just thought it was a pretty funny little moment there, but um, something that you probably didn't find very funny. You had to wear some green uh, this week. Did you put on the Oregon gear? And uh, I had it, I had, had a, another uh, a linebacker bring me a a game jersey, a game jersey. <laughs> I I was wearing a a game Bo- jersey, a, a Bola Combo number twenty five Oregon jersey, and I had to wear it 
from pre I roared through all the meetings and I got joke. I was still getting jokes today. Somebody asked me today, how's practice when you're at Oregon? It's stuff like that. That's like, tough. People are still still poking me all week. That's tough. I keep getting that. Yeah. How would how was this at Oregon? What'd y'all do when y'all when y'all had this at Oregon? I would I would I would counter back with so this is a jersey he wore during the game. This was like it was a game worn jersey. Is he from Canada? Yes. Okay. Because I was going to say, why are you bringing your game-worn jersey with you? But if he lives in Canada, then. No, yeah. He, I get he, it. He okay. lives in Canada. Is a CFL vet. Been here a while. Okay. He's been around. Okay. Gotcha. Dang. So he's been there a while, and he pulled out the game jersey for you. Yeah. This is early 2011 and 2012, maybe. I'm hoping they uh they post a picture, because I don't think you're posting a picture. <laughs> Oh, I'm not posting that picture. <laughs> Did were were they like taking photos? Were like multiple people taking photos of you? Like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, he um, got one picture and I took it off and I started getting it for practice. I said, "Yeah, it's never happening again." <laughs> Are you ever gonna make a bet like this again? Oh, for sure. Like, but maybe against like. Unfortunately, like... I don't have no. I don't have no SC fans, and by the time they play SC, either we'll be in the Grey Cup or we'll be gone. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any. It won't. Ha- it won't happen again this year. Probably, most likely, it won't. Cause... I was gonna say, like, do it against teams like Stanford and uh, Arizona yeah, or something. We don't. Not on this team. I have friends that you know went to these other places, but not on mm-hmm. this team. So, gotcha. You gotta be careful with the bets you make, Josh. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Um, the guys look good again, Josh. I tell you this every week. It's just very surprising. I'm not trying to jinx anybody, but even in a big game like the Oregon game, no one is injured. Yes, Ali Cajo is still out. People don't. I don't have anything new on Ali Cajo. Chip Kelly said. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but there's a chance he might play at some point in the season. Um, maybe it's not coming anytime soon. Maybe the last. Kind of circle like the last three games on your calendar for those who are following Ali Caho. That might be the best bet to see him. And then maybe he has a chance to medically uh, red shirt still or or something like that. I don't know. Um, nothing new on Damian Sellers. Um, he hasn't been on the roster. We don't know anything about him. Um, John John Vaughn did play in the game. Um, you remember I told you, I think last week he was limited in practice. Um, still look good. Um, yeah. Not, nothing nothing else for me. I mean, everyone's healthy. It should be uh, a good week. Uh, Josh, real quick, it's home, this is a homecoming game. Does homecoming mean anything, or is there anything special that goes into that um, at the college level, like for UCLA? Obviously, homecoming game at, like, high school is kind of like a thing, but, like, does it yeah, do anything? At... I, w- I wouldn't say it's 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 as big. Mm-hmm. It's not like HBCU homecoming game. It's, of it's course, yeah, like a... right. Like you might get a little more alumni at that game, but mm-hmm, like you, mm-hmm. I don't know, you don't get really. It doesn't nothing really too yeah. crazy. You might see some more familiar faces, people kind of coming up to you and stuff like that. But yeah, but usually it's not that. It's it's honestly not that big of a thing. Yeah, yet. I think most universities because it's just hard to get people, and there's just so many people and everything. Because I mean, that... you're gonna get alumni coming throughout the season, anyways. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's like. It's hard to tell because, like, there's even there'll be games dedicated to a certain team, and you know, more people show up for that than right. You know, so that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so we'll see how things play out. Um, like I mentioned last episode, I had 
talked a little bit to Deshaun Foster. I'm going to be writing a story about him later today, um, later tonight. So expect that in OC at ocregister.com or dailynews.com on Thursday evening. And um, yeah, other than that, um, go read the article we have on Jake Bobo and his chemistry with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And uh, go back and listen to the other episodes of this podcast that we did. We did one earlier this week. Um, but outside of that, anything for the ho- the folks at home, Josh? Or, or um, well, how are you guys doing um, playoff game? You guys aren't in playoffs we yet, We have right? one more regular, se- regular season game. And playoffs start next week. I think next next Sunday is our first playoff game. Okay. All right. So getting into some playoff football. We're already like in the week 10. I think we're in week 10 of the high school football season. For me, this is week 21 of the regular season. Week 21? I know you've had like week... two buys, but dang. I started camp in May. I think that's when we started the podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's been exactly. a long time. Well, hopefully you're getting your rest. We're going to end the podcast here so Josh can get some rest and get ready for the playoffs. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the support, for sharing, downloading, subscribing, and we'll hope to see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.